Welcome to Health Matters, Sonoma's weekly program devoted to health and well-being. Each week through interviews, editorials, and listener participation, we will explore topics and issues of contemporary medicine and its relationship to the lifestyles of our community. Our goal is to provide you with information and resources to help you achieve and maintain what you deserve, a happy, healthy, and productive life. I'm your host, Dr. Ned Hoke, a veteran in natural methods healthcare, speaking with you today from Sonoma Valley, California, for an hour of health topic digestion and discussion. Please stay with us. And welcome back to Health Matters listeners. Thank you for tuning in again this lovely day. Today we'll be joined by a couple of folks. Um, one, one gal is going to tell us all about, or that is she's going to challenge that the, the, the statement, you are what you eat. She wants to debunk this num- number one nutritional myth. This is Julie Gatza. I think that's how she pronounced her name. But she says, you are not what you eat. You are, are, you are what you absorb. And so she's got a, a whole world of things to talk about that. She's a gal from Florida. And she really is going to say, I think, a lot of useful things to our listening audience about sort of looking a little bit more carefully and a little bit more uh, thematically, really, in terms of uh, accomplishing the nutritional needs that you have. And it's a lot of times, I guess, one of the things that I, as a practitioner myself, is that that the the discovery and the res- resolution of of human needs around the nutrient support thing is a very real matter. And so much of the time, you, at least I've, I've over the years, um, with the, both for myself personally, as well as all the clients that I've had over the years, there's, there's, it's considered such so speculative. And yet modern instrumentation today are really very good at showing up things that we need. And they, they're, they're windows into um, uh, how we can actually make our life substantially better or even in, in a modest kind of way better. So these are inform- these are, this is the kind of information that's really truly useful and, and it's inexpensive. And uh, I'm sure that um, uh, Julie will be full of good information around that topic. Our second guest is, um, uh, is a gal who's going to be talking about the Shambhala uh, Pema Chodron summer book study group. This is um, Susie Cook. I think Susie will be with us the last part of the program. And uh, Pema Chodron is really a erudite and uh, remarkable student in the the Buddhist way. And she's written very popular books. Um, uh, The Wisdom of No Escape is the book that's going to be talked about. But then, interestingly enough, this very evening on another also at the same group, they're going to be talking from her book called When Things Fall Apart. I've seen people all over the country and all over everywhere holding on to Pema's books. She's, she, she, tell, she tells the Buddhist story in a way that doesn't make you feel you're listening to a religious story, but makes you listen to a story that is evocative of the human development possibilities and, and how we stumble and how we need to look at our stumbles. And she's very, very good at that. So again, uh, there's a class that's coming up that Susie will be talking to us about. This, this is a class this weekend on Sunday, I believe. 
But then there's this very evening, the night of the uh, the Plaza Block Party. Oh my God, that's going to be so wonderful. Anyway, there's going to be, for those people who want to just do part of that and then want to come listen to about Pema Chodron when things fall apart, uh, Carrie Schwartz, between 7 and 8.30 will be at the Sonoma Shambhala Center and there at 255 West Napa Street, Suite G. So a couple of things about Pema Chodron that will be this afternoon or that is later. And I want to remind our listeners again one more time before our, our guest comes, our first guest comes, the Ceres um, Nutritional Education Program is doing a class at the Sonoma Valley Hospital. And this upcoming class on the 14th will be the second of two classes between 6 and 8 p.m. And that is the date is the August uh, what? It is the what? It's coming. Anyway, let's see. Yeah, June the 20th is the first one. And then the second one, I'm going to find it, I promise. Hmm. Here it is, August the 15th. I see why I didn't see it. It's sort of spread out. August the 15th on Wednesday. And they're going to be talking about um, um, lowering inflammation and managing sugar. Wow, what an important topic that is. The course will be focusing on health impacts of, 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 uh, of sugar consumption and how to manage blood sugar without feeling deprived. It's, it includes a hands-on uh, session involving allowing participants to make a healthy dish together. For more information, you can register with Ceres at 829-5833, extension 220, or email at education at Ceres Projects. That's C-E-R-E-S project, P-R-O-J-E-C-T dot O-R-G. Ceres, for those of you listeners who may not know, this is the local program that is uh, taking young people and, and enabling setting up kitchens and enabling them to make learning how to cook but then also providing the the meals that are cooked at that sessions with these young people it take them to uh, people who need them people who are housebound people who've had surgery people who've had health conditions and these people these meals are delivered free of charge as, as best of my knowledge and uh, their uh, that's their point their 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 purpose is to teach the young and provide a, a gift giving to the needy. So that's a wonderful project, seriesproject.org. I urge anybody that is interested in that topic to check them out. They're very, very good. So while we're waiting for um, Julie Getza, Dr. Getza, I'll tell you a little bit about her. She's a holistic leader in the Florida uh, Wellness Institute. She's a third generation chiropractic with 25 years of clinical experience. She's had um, extensive experience in applied kinesiology, chiropractic, nutrition, detoxification, and spinal decompression. She has successfully helped infants as young as one day and as old as 90 to and in between. She's always uh, been uh, get to the bottom of what's causing people's health problems, and she works with a medical team. They have this uh, group called the Florida Wellness Institute. It has quite a, a group of folks. They have a... MDs and DOs and, and, and some chiropractors and so on. So they're, they're doing a teamwork. In her case, she's interested in the drugs without surgery, part of it. And she's also going to be talking, I su assuming she calls, is about the, um, she's a spokesperson for um, 
company called Nature's Sources Dietary Supplements. I, it's a company I don't know, actually. But, her, but the, what she's talking about, I do know about, and she's going to give you some good information. So we'll, we'll wait for her. And while we're waiting for her, <clears throat> I'll come back and talk to some about the Shambhala, uh, the program that uh, is coming later in the show. Um, this is the second annual Pema Chodron Summer Book Study Series with Marsha Claybird and Susie Cook. On four Sundays between August the 5th, strike that, on four Sundays in August, the 5th, the 12th, the 19th, and the 26th, after Sunday morning meditation, there will be a further explanation at, of the explora exploration into the Pema Chodron's The Wisdom of No Escape. She's got wonderful titles to her books, The Wisdom of No Escape. Although those who participate in the practice day on Saturday, the 28th, with Jess Miller will find this a welcome continuation of the teachings, you are encouraged to attend regardless of prior press, uh, participation. You will find more information, advanced uh, registration, discounts, and details about Pema Chodron's summer book study. Oh, here, push this button. Well, I can't push it because you don't have a computer just looking at this. The series will be another opportunity to bring teaching together with personal present situations as well as those experiences that extrapolate out into our larger culture. This is from the Shinoma Shambhala Center. Uh, they're at 255 West Napa Street. Their phone number is 415-412-8570. So that's about the Sunday, uh, Sunday book study group. It's interesting, the, the Pema groups, they... Um, they don't have to be interested in Buddhism at all to be interested in what Pema has to share. And so um, I urge you to, if you have it all interested in your sort of personal growth and in, in, in a discovery of your inner processes, what Pema talks about is a lot about that and kind of how to confront yourself in a way that's useful and, and proactive and positive, really. And um, again, this evening at the Sonoma Shambhala Center, this is Dharma Night and Newcomers Welcome. Tonight, between 7 and 8.30, <clears throat> it's an open house. At 7 p.m., there's a meditation instruction and then a short period of sitting meditation. And then, then there's a, there'll be a, a talk uh, followed by a chance to meet other people and ask questions and stuff. It's, uh, the, Sh the Shambhala Center is a global community of people in, in, inspired by the principle that every human has the fundamental nature of basic goodness. This is a great way to find out what opportunities there are for practice, study, and, and the community. Everybody's welcome again, Sonoma Shambhala Center, 255 West Napa Street, Suite G. 415-412-8570. So, um, maybe a little bit about, about Pema. <laughs> It's funny when I looked at, I hadn't, I've met her. Oh, by the way, I should mention, Pema is, is, has lived in Sonoma, and she was well-known to many people. She's particularly well-known to Patty Westerbeck, who are famous uh, doyen of, of mystical things, who's uh, the proprietor and owner of the Westerbeck Ranch and the, the, uh, the famous place that many people come to Sonoma to do oftentimes classes in terms of human awakening and yoga and various things. So it's a lovely spot, the Westerbeck Ranch. Anyway, Pema, last time I saw Pema, I was actually was at the Westerbeck Ranch with Patty and others. And anyway, Pema was born um, in New York, 
I looked her up on Wikipedia, and I think this is probably pretty accurate. Uh, she attended Miss Porter's School in Farmington, Connecticut, which is very funny because my grandmother attended Miss Porter's School in Farmington. It's this very proper young lady's school. But she also grew up on a Jersey farm uh, with an older brother and a sister. She got a, a degree in English from Sarah Lawrence and a master's degree in elementary education. She was That's how she, we knew her here in Sonoma. She was a teacher before she went on to work with Chogyam Trimpa Rinpoche. Um, but anyway, she's um, sh she's had quite an interesting career, and she's a wonderful speaker. So um, if any time you get a chance to listen to Pema talk, it's very much worth your time to do that. So while we're waiting for Julie to be with us, which we still hope she'll come, uh, I'm as I did last week when I had a and I had a break. I'm I'm just so keen and so enthusiastic about the coming of a woman I heard speak not long ago. Um, a woman named Sunaina Myra. She wrote a book called Boycott, The Academy and, the J and Justice for Palestine. I, I haven't heard a more level-headed, uh, beautifully constructed discussion about how the academics have taken on the challenge of providing a, a backbone to the BDS movement, Boycott, Divestment, and Sanctions movement, which is the movement to try to give the, um, the Zionists in Israel uh, some push in the direction of humanity and decency vis-a-vis -vis the Palestinians. So what I'm going to do while we're waiting for Julie, uh, still hoping she will come, I'm going to read from her book. By the way, I should mention that uh, Sunaina will be with us August the 16th. She, I, I had to struggle to get her. She's such a busy gal. She's a professor at uh, UC Davis, but she has lots of other things she does. But anyway, while we're waiting for Julie, um, I'll read from Sunaina's book. This is called Boycott as a Tactic. This is uh, chapter one, actually. And the, the academic boy, uh, boycott continues a tradition that has occurred in a wide range of ge geographic locations and political uh, context. Something that is sometimes forgotten in the frenzy over the academic and cultural uh, boycott of Israel and the depiction of the movement as somewhat exceptional. In recent years, uh, in the United States, for example, there's been a boycott of Arizona due to the uh, passing of Senate Bill uh, 1070 in 2010, which authorized state officials to enforce federal immigration laws and um, arrest undocumented immigrants on the basis of uh, racial profiling. In addition to grassroots protests, however, boycott res resolutions were passed in other states by the councils of such cities as Los Angeles and Denver and Minneapolis. In 2016, there was a boycott of Northern, California, uh, Northern uh, North Carolina due to the House Bill 2, which nullified uh, Charlotte City Ordinance, gender-neutral public bathrooms that also, um, also local anti-discrimination wage laws, a campaign that won support from national sports associations, corporations, and, and uh, major artists. The economic costs and political damage in both cases exerted real pressure on state legislatures due to the loss of... Um, uh, loss of corporate as well as uh, uh, 
what does it say, routine, uh, just tourist dollars, which to, which to some rollback of the racist laws. In January 1917, after the election of Donald Trump, there was a call for a boycott and general strike on the day of the presidential inauguration by immigrant rights and anti-racial, uh, anti anti-racist activists and subsequent calls for strikes and boycotts in solidarity with immigrants, workers, and women. These campaigns of economic and cultural boycott generally focused on domestic issues and, and, and pivoted on struggles over race, gender, uh, sexuality, labor, and immigration. Uh, boycott campaigns in the United States often invoke the inspiring history of the Montgomery uh, bus boycott sparked by Rosa Parks during the civil rights movement in the United Farmers Workers uh, boycott and the global boycott of apartheid South Africa. The BDS movement today has in fact explicitly uh, situated itself in a genealogy of boycott, divestment, and sanctions campaigns by oppressed groups and solidarity activists invoking the South African apartheid movement as the primary model for the Palestinian campaign. Of course, the foundational history of the United States includes milestones such as the Boston Tea Party, basically the boycott of the British tea by col col colonists in 1772, so that the boycott is not always in the service of, of anti-colonial or indigenous movements or even progressive politics. In this chapter, I will um, contextualize the academic boycott of Israel in the longer history of boycotts as a tactic in social justice organizing that has been used in anti-racist civil rights and worker struggles. Um, and I gesture to the Montgomery bus boycott and the VFW grape boycott as well as the role of the boycott in anti-apartheid activism in the United States as an example of global solidarity. Given how much has already been written on these boycott movements by specialists in those areas, my focus here will be not a historical review or an analysis of, of those campaigns per se, but rather a reflection of of what the the these cases uh, illuminate about the boycott as a political tactic when it is effective, when it is deployed, and how the academic boycott draws on as well as departs from the instance of the consumer or transit boycotts. I will address the often ignored history of boycotts in Palestine over the years, highlighting the ways this strategy has been used by Palestinians in their resistance to the colonialization and occupation. The academic as well as the consumer boycott of Israel has been uh, re uh, recreated in the 21st century BDS movement and shaped by the experiences and lessons of boycott campaigns elsewhere. I will discuss how debates over the boycotts speak to questions of reform and radicalism, violence, nonviolence, solidarity, and self-determination. So you see, she's obviously she's an academic, and she's even though she's writing in a in an in an academic way. Um, if you listen for, for me, when I listen carefully to how she writes, she is. I'm a son of a lawyer, and she's making a case, and she's making such a such a, a well constructed case. So I, I will continue.
And again, it looks like Julie is late. Uh, our, our teacher who was going to tell us all about absorption is maybe she's busy being absorbed in something else. I can't say. But we, we, we progress. So we're reading from uh, Sunaina Myra's book called Boycott, the, Ac the Academy and Justice for Palestine. One of the most uh, recent incidents, I iconic, excuse me, iconic incidents of boycott actions as part of a social movement in the United States is the by now legendary bus boycott in Montgomery, Alabama. Uh, a milestone in the civil rights struggle in, in December 1955. Rosa Parks, an African-American woman and an NAC, NAACP organizer was arrested for sitting in the whites-only section of the municipal bus, refusing to move to the back, sparkly, sparking a boycott of local buses and as part of an expanding protest against the racial segregation of the city uh, buses. In 1956, approximately 90% of Montgomery black refused to use the buses. As part of the uh, collective campaign, led by civil rights such as leaders such as Martin, Dr. Martin Luther King and Dr. Ralph Abernathy and, and Byron, Rust, Byron Rustin. For over a year, blacks in Alabama refused to ride the back of the segregated buses, instead walking and carpooling and even taking taxis. The movement against apartheid-style social relations in Jim Crow era spread to other cities into the deep south and became uh, internationally famous. King, uh, becoming a symbol of anti-racialism, racism, excuse me, for uh, millions of colored people across the world. In 1956, the Supreme Court outlawed racial segregation in M the Montgomery buses. <laughs> I didn't, I've forgotten about the Supreme Court uh, part of it. Um, even the boycott movement and the direct actions were met with violent backlash from militant whites and racist mobs aided by state guards. As uh, Manning Marable documents, the bus boycott was not the first such action waged by the African-Americans Afri protesting racism. As early as 1865, abolition, abolitionists, abolitionists, excuse me, Sojourner Truth led blacks in Washington, D.C. in a boycott to segregate to segregated public transportation facilities. In the 1940s, Adam Clayton Powell led a series of popular boycotts for the black uh, jobs and greater social and welfare services. Boycotts to desegregate lunch counters and schools in Midwestern and Northwest Northern cities were organized by groups such as the Congress for Racial, Equ Racial Equality, which focused on nonviolent direct action. The campaigns to test the desegregation law on buses in the Upper South in 1947 as part of the uh, Journeys of Reconciliation were forerunners to the historic Freedom Riders movements of the 1960s. Marable notes, a few days after Park's arrest in Montgomery, King gave a speech at the Holt Street Baptist Church in which he lauded Parks and proclaimed that by the why the boycott and other nonviolent direct actions were necessary. Now this is apparently a quote from him. You know that you know, my friends, that that uh, there comes a time when people get tired of feeling 
trampled over by from the feet of oppression. There comes a time, my friends, when people get tired of being flung across the abyss of humiliation. There comes a time when people get tired of being pushed out of the glittering sunlight of life's July and left standing amidst the piercing chill of an alpine November. He's getting poetic here. We are here, we are here this evening because we are tired now. The only weapon we have in our hands this evening is the weapon of protest. King powerfully observes that resistance, including civil disobedience, emerges from the sheer necessity of needing um, to fight uh, oppression. And the boycott, like other strategies, is to produce, um, is, is the product, excuse me, is, is the produce of, of years of fatigue which leave people with no choice but to use this weapon. As King also eloquently suggests, boycotts are tools that ordinary people can use in their daily lives to protest a powerful status quo. By physically using their body as an instrument of uh, anti-racist protest, as Parks and others did in Montgomery, or as students sitting at lunch counters did in Greensboro, North Carolina, King wrote in his famed letter from the uh, Birmingham City Jail, after, after in intentionally letting himself be arrested <coughs> at a demonstration in April 1963, we had no alternative except that of, pro of, of preparing for direct action, whereby we could present our very bodies as the means of laying our case before the local and national community. The boycott need not always be physically embodied, for it can also be elected through an injection, strike that rejection of participation in spaces or institutional structures um, that are complicit with and represent the oppression, or a refusal to purchase consumer goods, as in the case of the boycott of the products by companies doing business with apartheid South Africa. Or in the earlier era, Gandhi's boycott of British goods in India at, in the independent struggle. Again, now we're, I'm, I should have taken a break a few minutes ago. This is Dr. Ned Hoke. We're now we're reading from Sunaina Myra's book called Boycott. She'll be with us on August the 16th. But in the meantime, we need to take a break. We'll be back with you in just a moment. The Sonoma Weather Report is brought to you by the Vintners at Vine Alley. The Vintners of Sonoma Vine Alley offer a variety of wines and experiences to allow you to relax, enjoy life, and not have to leave downtown Sonoma. Located on East Napa Street between Broadway and First Street East, the wineries include Passaggio, Fulcrum, McLaren, Westwood, Sonoma Loeb, Cahoon Galadia, Inkadoo, and Black Knight, all in one little alley. It's Thursday, August 2nd, 2018. This is KSVY. And this afternoon at 3 o'clock, tune in for Health Matters. And following that, the Sonoma Valley Interfaith Ministerial Association Radio Hour. Weather outlook, sunny, hot today, high near 97 degrees, with a south-southwest wind, 8 to 13 miles per hour. Clear tonight, low 59 degrees, and a carbon copy on Friday, hot sunshine, 97 the high. Welcome back to Health Matter. Dr. Ned Hoke today joined with, uh, joining with um, a book, 
wouldn't that be wouldn't, uh, surprise, surprise? Regular Health Matters listeners know we do a lot of books, but we did have a plan today, and our first guest was supposed to be calling us from Clearwater, Florida, but somehow Clearwater couldn't get through, maybe. Who knows? So now what we're doing as a substitute, we're, we're our backup until we get to talk to Susie Cook in a few minutes about the, the Pema class and other things. Uh, I'm reading from uh, Sunaina Myra's book called Boycott, The Academy and Justice for Palestine. And uh, we're reading from chapter one. And I'm just very enthusiastic about this particular, this, this particular professor and, and what she's got to say and, and makes such a wonderful case for the Palestinian people. So going on with that reading of chapter one, I'm on page uh, da, 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 14. The tactic of boycott is a powerful means of public or popular resistance and of what activists call people's power. As Claiborne Carson observes, the Montgomery boycott and sit-ins demonstrated that people without resources and specialized skills could play a decisive role in achieving social change and were part of a mass movement that produced its own leaders and ideas. Significantly, the BDS movement, too, is a grassroots, decentralized movement that has enabled many groups and individuals without economic or political power who lack resources to engage in collective protests regardless of political affiliations without a hierarchical leadership structure. As Cartson notes, the many acts of civil disobedience and protests for civil rights in, uh, in the 1960s were not necessarily always directed by emblematic leaders such as King or Malcolm X. They were part of a mass movement which was propelled by hundreds of individuals who were inspired um, inspired to act and, and that spread like wildfire across the United States drawing a white solidarity activists and students. King and the Southern Christian Leadership Council framed their protests along using Christian symbols and the language of Christian brotherhood and nonviolence. While this contrasted with the uh, radical political frameworks of black power groups such as the National Strike, the Newton, excuse me, the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, the SNCC, and the Black Panther Party, the nonviolence or direct action tactics, including the boycott, gave participants in the civil rights activism a sense of moral superiority and emotional release through militancy. This this is applicable in the BDS movement too, which explicitly articulates through the language of nonviolent resistance to Israel's violent occupation and, and, and uh, racial segregation policies. Um, boycotts activists can claim a moral edge over defenders of oppression in, a, in affirming principles of social justice and racial equality. Of course, there, of course what is different and complicated in this case is that BDS campaigns and the Palestinian solidarity activists are challenging a regime founded as a state for Jewish people and so often are branded as anti-Semitic for anti-boycott and Zionist critics despite the explicitly anti-racist principles of the BDS movements. Proponents of BDS come from a variety of religious backgrounds. However, they include atheists and agnostics as well as Jewish advocates. It is also the case that various faith-based Palestinian solidarity groups are involved in BDS campaigns such as 
um, Sebel, the Jewish Voice for Peace, the American uh, Muslims for Palestine. There's been a powerful call for BDS by the Palestinian Christians, shaped by the tradition of the liberation theology known as Kairos. The academic boycott springs from a history of civil disobedience, as well as uh, of the third world and anti-colonial policies. The BDS movement ap ap appeals to people of conscience, of diverse racial, religious, and, non and national uh, ba backgrounds to engage in international solidarity, which, is, which it resonates with and across time and space uh, with the internationalism of civil rights activities, which situated their free freedom struggles in the global context of decolonialization uh, movements in Africa and the third world. This third worldism, and particularly evident in the politics of Malcolm X and black power nationalists who de demanded a, a radical transformation of the U.S. state, which they viewed as racist, imperial, and a nation state, who did not view legal desegregation and nonviolence as a means to achieve true racial equality and democracy. Unlike the NAACP and the Southern Christian uh, Leadership Conference headed by King, for Maribel, the fact that the the fact, in fact, the boycott and other nonviolent actions in the civil rights struggle achieved limited racial equality, but did not represent a real challenge to U.S. imperial racism and capitalism, as articulated by a, a radical activists in SNCC and the Black Panther Party, even though their members also engaged in acts of civil disobedience. Here, I will not delve into the ideological divide between the reform and radicalism, which has already been extensively discussed, I want to address a different or if related point. The nonviolent direct actions in the civil rights movement posed a threat to the social order and were targeted for backlash by racist defendants of the state's status quo, as in the case of the Israel, Israel boycott. Here's our guest. Welcome to Health Matters. Thank you for joining us. Oh, hi. Is this nice? It is. Hi, it's Susie Cook calling you. Oh, my goodness. It is Susie Cook. Well, I, <laughs> I, I told everybody you were coming. They're all sitting on the edge of their chair. They're just, they, <laughs> they just knew that you were going to come and tell them all about some stuff. So let's, let's start, Susie. Let's tell, tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and how you happen to be with us today. Okay. Well, my name is Susie Cook, and yeah. I'm the um, center director at the Sonoma Shambhala Meditation Center right here in town on 255 West Napa Street, Suite G, and we're a meditation center, so we invite everybody to come on down, and we have a special program starting on Sunday um, called Pema Children's Summer Series. We did a summer series um, last summer that was associated with Pema Children, and People love Pema, and she's written lots of books, and so some of your listeners may recognize her name. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. She, she's 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 a. I can't tell you the number of people as I walk out, as I move around the world, I see people clutching Pema Chodron's books. I mean, she's she is a a, a social force. Yeah, that's yeah. true. So, she, and she, um, they probably know she's a um, Tibetan Buddhist nun, right? And um, she's connected with. Shambhala and um, her kind of, you know, uh, root teacher is um, Chagyam Trungpa Rinpoche, who's also um, a Tibetan Buddhist master who's um, passed away, but a lot of people know his books as well, and right. um, that he brought 
Buddhism or was one of the people that brought Buddhism to the West. So we're fortunate to have um, Pema actually still with us. She's in her 80s. Right. Um, and, but and, we're going to... Go ahead. Go, oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say the... It's if one were to think this conversation was about Buddhism in a in a religious sense, shall we say, in terms of Pema, mm -hmm. uh, uh, that that people can come and they don't have to be interested in Buddhism at all to get a no, great, to get a great deal of, get true. to get a great deal. Pem, Pema's talking about uh, living life in a in a conscious way. She's talking about um, seeing the real the real of your life and and so hers is a is a she's a counselor to the soul of 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 humanity, of, of humanity. so I agree. Don't, not yeah. let, don't let our our buddhist talks sort of scare you away if, if you if you if, if you if you're hung up on the word buddha forget it uh, well there you go you're right i mean really this is true i mean she i mean these teachings are based on that but they're not they're they're universal right. teachings and right. i think that's why you walk around the world and you um, we'll find her books and people loving them is because she it's really about being a human being, a good human being in this right. world. And especially with the times we're having now, in fact, tonight at the center, we're having a talk on um, one of her books, which is um, when things fall apart. So, you know, some people giggle and laugh because they say you can just read all the titles of her books and it's a teaching within itself. You bet. Um, yeah, she her. So, uh, yeah, uh, I know her book. Yeah, her, yeah, her her book titles are are exactly they're they're a teaching in themselves. So yeah. So um, it was funny. I was as I looked her up on Wikipedia. I I, I forgot to tell her. I did tell her this before you joined us that Pema's a local girl in a whale. She she taught locally here, and she was a she's a, was a good friend of Patty Westerbeck's and. And she spent a bunch of time at uh, in town doing all kinds of things. And and the last time I saw her, actually, was with with Patty out at the Westerbeck Ranch. And so she's a person who had significant local social roots, uh, Sonoma roots, I meant to say. And so <laughs> she and yet and now she's this really international star. And another thing I wanted to say, or just to, that I had such fun looking at her listing in Wikipedia, she went to Miss Porter's school in Farmington, Connecticut. Which of which was the school my grandmother went to, and it's a it's it's a polite it's a school to teach uh, socially prominent polite ladies to be to go on and be significant polite ladies. So it just it, I had to just <laughs> it, it 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 amused amused me profoundly. So, so no, and well, you know that's so fun too. And I think you know it's fun for me as a you know at the center because once in right. a while someone like you that. Um, knows Pema will walk through the doors and right. have you know lovely stories and it's and it's so much fun. So if anybody's out there that feels that way too, please come on Sunday. We're going to talk about the book, The Wisdom of No Escape and the Path of Loving Kindness, which she wrote in the early nineties, mm -hmm. and um, and it's it's a, something she taught. So she gave some talks over a whole month long, uh -huh. and um, so we're going to you know the first class. You don't have to have read the book. Um, we'll have a few for sale there and you can pick it up, but you don't even have to have it there. We'll, we'll do things in class. And mm -hmm. um, it's just fun to get together and talk about how this all applies really to what's happening now. So, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so can, can you give our listeners a little, just a little taste about, I mean, the wisdom of no escape, of course, for those of us who are kind of familiar with the general 
sort of topic, uh, it's, it's pretty easy to see what she's talking about. But for our listeners who maybe that sounds like the wisdom of no escape, well, what could that possibly mean? So can you talk a little bit about what it does mean? Well, sure. I mean, I can touch on it. I think one of the great things about what we're hoping to do on Sunday is um, spark people's notions and ideas of what does it mean to them, too? How, how does it? Sure. So that's one of the things. Sure, sure. Um, um, but I can just, you know, I think part of it is sometimes you might find yourself wishing things were different, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. particularly if you watch the evening news. <laughs> <laughs> right. And um, so it's teachings on, you know, how do you stay? How do you stay present and what, what is? And maybe if you are able to stay and be present, you could maybe see how to be helpful or, or at least not make it worse or what have you. So um, it's sort of teachings on that, how to be present mm-hmm. in your life, mm-hmm. even when it's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And, and even when it's wonderful, sometimes it's hard to stay present. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Well, the, the, the whole world of the management of the mind and the management of one's emotions, if that's the way of saying it. I mean, that, sometimes the word management maybe is not, a, not the best word, but... It, maybe making friends with it. Making that's friends with, yeah. And that, that, that whole theme, I think, is something that is still unfamiliar to a lot of people. The, the, there's the idea that you could, that that's really available. Uh, can you say something about that in terms of the... the no, the and, and some of the names yeah, of your. Yeah, I mean, some, I, some, I, I think. Some, yeah, know, go ahead. I think it's really normal, uh, or almost like, kind of habituated into us as part of being human. We all kind of, you know, are attracted to things that make us feel better, and kind of would maybe push away things that don't feel so good. So, having a reaction or wanting it to be different is is quite healthy in a way, um, and can help things change. Um, but also, if we're always doing that, we can't stay present and actually see what would be helpful. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, that it's kind of that's the discussion. Like, how do you do that? And, um, you know, it's I don't know. There's some teacher that says, um, you know, everything is just fine how is it how it is, and it can use a little improvement. Too, that, that was so. my teacher, to, uh, Sunru, Shunru Suzuki. He said that. He, was that your teacher? Yeah, well, yeah oh, exactly. Well, yeah, well, <laughs> well Shun, it, I could. It would be I, sitting in the sitting in the zendo, and, mm-hmm. and and then listening to it. And I remember sitting there, and and he. The question was, you know, how can, how can we? I forget. I can't can't remember the initiating question, but it, he had such a wonderful way of saying, "You're perfect." And you could use a little improvement. He had yeah. he had a wonderful way of giving you know creating that open space that there was room to grow. And, and of course, it's so easy to feel kind of boxed in. You know that it's so easy to feel there really is no room. There's no spaciousness. There's no real opportunity. We're all sort of stuck on this island. And you know, stop the world. I want to get off, but it doesn't work. You know, so we're really so the the the, the spaciousness and the teaching of the of the of the of the Buddhist way, it, 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 it's a lot of it has to do with the business of the acknowledgement and the, the the standing in the in the worlds where there's room. There's there's actually room to uh, to 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 move around. So some of the other names of your classes. So to give our listeners a little bit of a window into other things that the yeah. Shambhala group is doing, talk a little bit about some of the other classes that you you know the wisdom of being you know the name the. the on becoming human art. and the art of becoming yeah the art of being a human yeah of the art of of being human we do yeah, so that you, one will be coming and yeah, yeah, we about, have one 
called the Awakened Heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're a part of Way of Shambhala, mm-hmm. which is a series of classes that um, start out with just teaching really kind of basic meditation. Mm-hmm. But you can always come to the center on one of our open sitting nights yeah. um, or mornings, as it is right now, um, and learn meditation, the practice. But you go more deeply into it with the Way of Shambhala. And so there's five classes in the series, or they're weekend long. Um, mm-hmm. And um, you get deep dive into kind of meditation when we take those. Um, we also have community meetings and gatherings on Tuesday evenings. We have kind of an ongoing book study meditation. Wednesday mornings at 9, we just have open meditation practice, which I'm usually the one leading that. Mm-hmm. On Sunday mornings from 9 to 10:15, we have open meditation, which is what's going to happen this Sunday. We'll have meditation, which we're encouraging people to come to. And then at 10:45, after we have tea and a discussion, um, and the discussion's kind of on whatever's up, so it can be a, a variety of things. And mm-hmm, then mm-hmm. we'll have the class go until noon, 10.45 to noon. And mm. if if people want to go online and register in advance for all four classes, because we're going to do it through August, every Sunday, there's a discount It's um, on the price. And if not, they can pay at the door, and it's a mm-hmm. little more. So the discounted price is 15 and at the door it's $20. But mm-hmm. we have a generosity policy, so... Um, it should never be a reason not to come. If you feel like you can't afford it, just um, go ahead and look online and um, it shows how you can get a hold of me and um, you can just help us, you know, at the door or whatever. And, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure, so sure. we have that as an opportunity mm-hmm. too. Yeah. So Susie, tell us a little, give us a little story about Susie in terms of what, what how has this captured you, Susie? How, how is it that you are... Uh, in this work and, and involved in as you are, I mean, t- tell us a little bit about your background and how you were, how, when and how you became drawn to this teaching, and give us a little sort of synopsis, if you would, about that. Um, well, I can. T- if, you, if you don't many mind, many years ago. Now, no, I don't mind. I'm. It's been, I think, over twelve years now that mm-hmm. I um, found myself there. So it's evolved over um, time. But kind of the real basic thing that keeps me there is. Um, you know, I could give you an example, um, you know, like we all are noticing and we even are getting it more with all the fires happening here too, you know, our environment. And um, there's these big problems kind of occurring and it's kind of like, what do you do? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think with um, you can end up feeling very afraid and, and kind of closed down and angry. And I think... For me, the practice of meditation and being able to be present is able to kind of dispel that. And and, um, I feel like it makes a difference. It makes a difference in my life. It makes a difference in my view. It makes me feel like I can connect with community and actually learn things and and make a positive effect. But also just helps me deal with all the feelings that come with what's going on. So... Mm -hmm. um, there's, you know, it's got layers and layers to it for me. Um, but basically, I think that, like you said, making space, being able to sit and meditate, make friends with yourself and be present mm-hmm. can make all the difference in your life. And so, I, you know, over the years, I'm raising children. Now one's an adult, but it's been, it was very helpful through all of that. And um, yeah. the community keeps me there, too, really. Um, so let's, let's, that's, that's kind of my next question was I was going to say for our listeners who might feel 
like, well, they don't know what kind of people are there. You know, what are they, who, who are they going to run into there? And not not from a, but what kind of people go to this thing? I mean, it, 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 are these people just all of kind of one sort of general type? Or well, what I love about Shambhala and kind of the Shambhala vision is that it includes everybody mm-hmm, and everything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you know, if you came to our center, it may look a particular way on an evening when you come, um, but it. It's really open to anybody. Mm-hmm. So, um, and that's one of the things I love about it. And so, what we have though, there's people that are um, have a common kind of, you know, belief that all of us are basically good. Mm. And um, even though we may make choices that in the moment don't seem to be that, we're all meditating and opening our hearts and minds. Um, we're losing if you're on a if you're on a phone you're moving out of our oh well when, that, we, that, when that, we you're better now yeah you're better now I'm better, sorry. Yeah. when we meditate we um you know connect with our hearts and minds and um are able to connect with that basic goodness and then manifest it mm-hmm. um so even you know, I, I we all we believe there that everybody's basically good. Mm-hmm. That's a huge thing to come into a community where that's kind of the basic feeling. Mm-hmm. No matter who, that doesn't. There's no exception to that, and um, mm-hmm. you know that may not be present in every moment. It seems, but all of us are dedicated meditators that um, are hoping to manifest that, which is just, just a lovely community. It creates an atmosphere for that. It sure, so, d- it, it sure does, and and. So when people come, they'll they're likely to experience a group of what size would you say? I mean, are, typically your meetings are five to fifteen or fifteen to twenty or I mean, give us a sense of. I mean, I obviously say, obviously it varies, yeah. but I mean, so our our, our, li- our listeners might have a, a some concern about being lost in a size. big, a big yeah. group. And, and actually, yours is, your groups, my experience of your groups, are they're they're pretty intimate. They're 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 not necessarily small small, but they're. There's there's plenty of spacious, if you will, to to. Uh, it's not a big crowd, and it's and it's. Uh, so anyway, I just I, I just already give you my own answer. So I. <laughs> so coming coming back to the the purpose of Shambhala, as a as a body. Now for our listeners who may may not know, of course that, and of course there has been. I well I shouldn't I shouldn't walk away. I, I in this, into the, yesterday and I got an email from Shambhala Center. That probably you know what I'm talking about, and and the trouble that you have in your group uh, lately, um, and it's a, a it's kind of a thing that it was it was so interesting because I I was around Trumpa Rinpoche, uh, his this fellow's father, in the day you know back in the 70s, and um, so what's happened is a sort of an awful thing for a lot of Shambhala members. Do you want to say anything about that? Um, well, I can say that you know. Being in the Shambhala Center and, and being on retreat and um, reading books that are written by Sakyong Mi Palm Rinpoche, that, that that is not my personal experience with Sakyong Mi Palm Rinpoche. Uh-huh. Um, that said, I think what's coming out is, thank goodness, going to be looked at seriously. So there's, um, you know, a group that's independently looking at this and um, going to it's called the olive branch right. and they're going to investigate this and so they're we're taking this very seriously there's a there's been a lot of change in our leadership already mm-hmm. since these yeah, have looks, come forward um 
so I can say that, but I, I can also say that at our center, at the Sonoma Shambhala Center, we're committed to um, it being a safe and healthy environment, and we have um, a lot of policies around that, and Right. you know, care and conduct and all kinds of things. And um, Right, right. So for our, our listeners who may or may not have, have, have heard about the uh, the disgrace, if you will, of, if that's the right word, of the of the teacher, uh, and it's and for those of us who were around his father, it seems like father like son. I mean, and it just seems. <laughs> it, it well, it's hard, you know. That's why they're having the independent investigation right. because right. you know it's hard to know uh, what's true and what's not. And right. I'm sure there's some truth in it. And I, be- I, I sincerely in my heart feel there's some things that um, may or may not be true or are not true. Probably, um, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, and um, but here locally, there's you. Every, you've got things worked out. This is a safe place. This is not a place to worry about people are, are uh, you know whatever else sort of national things going on. You our our local group here, of which you're uh, uh, you have the you're the, dire- the local director right of, of the center. Are you? Absolutely. Right. Yes. So and, we've and, and I could say you know for me part of it was kind of like you have the fantasy that there's some place where you can, quote, escape, right, from right. what's going on in the larger society. And, um, you know, part of what kind of Shambhala's tagline is, is creating enlightened society. And so um, I don't know why I would think that our area would be immune to these types of things. Right. And so in some respects, because this has happened, it's giving us an opportunity to actually respond, perhaps in a in a in a restorative kind of justice way where people all around um, are, you know, that's, that's the hope is that we'll come up with a, a way to work through this together. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I see in the larger, you know, world, I feel terrible, for example, about, and I don't know any details about this, but I love all the Pixar movies and it just, you know, he's a local guy, and it just makes me so sad to think that, like, there might not be any more that he's right. helped create that have right. made such a, you know, they had a huge impact on my children and just right. my own. I love those movies. And, right, right. you know, I feel like there's something in our culture where, like, you're not allowed to make mistakes and learn from them and grow. And so, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful that Shambhala, the larger international, will handle this in a way that, could be an example of how we could all work together and grow when we make a mistake and not have well, to, well, you know, see. have all these casualties along. Well, so. it, but it's certainly, it's interesting, all these things have come out kind of in, in a, sort of a rolling, in a rolling way, just one, you know, waves of these things. But anyway, we've, we've been speaking with Susie Cook. She's the director of the local Shambhala Center at 255 West Napa Street. She's talking, we've talked about the upcoming Pema Chodron summer book study class uh, August the 5th, this this Sunday, and then the 12th, the 19th, and the 26th. This is after the Sunday morning meditation from 1045 to noon, and she's going to be joined in this project with Marsha Clayberg, and uh, they're going to be talking and, and discussing and, and uh, going over Pema's book called The Wisdom of No Escape. And so, But again, I don't want to for- forget that this, this very evening, you don't have to wait till Sunday, you can listen to Carrie Schwartz talk about Another part of Pema's t- uh, teaching called "When Things Fall Apart," and that's going to be between seven and eight thirty this evening at the uh, the center at two five five West Napa Street. Susie, it was nice to have you with us, and I'm I sure sure appreciate you taking the time to join us. Thank you so much. Okay, take care now. Bye. Bye bye. So there it is. 
and another another health matters if you cannot pacify your spirit and let your mind be complicated with desires and worries your disease will not be cured to be healthy you must avoid anger and worry but keep your mind happy your heart at ease and your desires at low levels that's the basic guidance of the yellow emperor's classic of internal medicine that's the basic book of chinese medicine our health matters motto still is health care isn't a noun it's a verb and uh, Dr. Ned Hulk will be with you again next week. If you have anything you want to share with me, uh, ksvyhealth at gmail. And until next week, I bid you well. Mm-hmm.